0: The following is an exclusive presentation of Use Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN.
1: Welcome to the annual. Oh, look, K State's not opening Big 12 play at home <laughs> in football day. Because we found out that uh, in 2024, K State football will not open Big 12 play at Bill Sander Family Stadium this year. Go figure. Something, something algorithm, something. There is, I, I think there is actually. Yeah, there there is now. Yes. Well, it's if if you've noticed the pattern, we'll get to it here a little bit later, but or in this first segment, but there has been a pattern um, in the last decade and a half on when K State plays. The first game of Big 12 play at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale and A.J. Shaw. No D.G. today, but it is us three today taking it until 6 o'clock, and that's when we start pregame coverage of K-State men's basketball. Hosting the Oklahoma Sooners for what might be the last time for a very long time. Expecting a packed house at Bramlage Coliseum. Tips off a few minutes after 7 o'clock. The action, of course, right here on News Radio KMAN, and of course, tomorrow the K-State women will visit the Oklahoma Sooners from the Lloyd Noble Center.
0: Sooners are 7-1. and one. They've not lost since K-State right. beat them here at
1: Bramlage. Yep. And um, and I think we'll get to a little bit more tomorrow. But if you're thinking like, uh, well, you know, K-State beat them the first time around. Yoki took her a while to get yeah. going. Yep, I think she had, what, three points heading into well, – maybe not three points. I th- three points at half. Maybe had like seven going into the fourth quarter, and then she really took off and had a, a really nice day if you just look at the stat line, but it took a while. Oklahoma is one of the fastest paced teams in women's college mm-hmm. basketball this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming up at 525, looking forward to this one. ESPN women's basketball writer Michael Vopel will be joining us to talk. K State women's basketball, Big 12 hoops, national hoops, as K State now has moved up to number two in the AP. And they're also, as of last week, number two in the coaches' poll. Most likely that's going to stay the same. Uh, The AP AP poll coming out yesterday. So, yeah, it's crazy. Just the uh, second week ever, K-State women's basketball, number two in the AP poll. So it's uh, 21 years in the making, and uh, it's still pretty good. But this is a very big week, including tomorrow, because basically first place in the Big 12 on the line. K-State looking to stay ahead of everybody else in the pack.
0: Well, and not only... Uh, a big week in that aspect, but when you look at what happened last week in the women's top twenty-five, the fact that almost half the top twenty-five suffered a loss. Oh yeah,
1: it's been it's, it, crazy. it's been pretty chaotic. Oh, it's
0: absolutely been chaotic, and yet here's K State chugging along at nine and zero now in the conference.
1: Well, and everybody's paying more attention, obviously, because K State's winning, but also, you know, all right, who's been above K State? Are they losing? Well, you know, Colorado, UCLA lose, so. K-State jumps from four to two, and now just South Carolina kind of, you know, stands in the way of that number one spot. But South Carolina, who was undefeated going into their final four game last year, mm-hmm. they lose a pretty new team, and they're really good again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Michael Volpe, though, he was the one that I mentioned on yesterday's show that wrote in an article, you know, is K-State number two in the nation because they're that good? Or because they continue to gut out games and teams above them are losing, which I think the answer is yes and yes. Yeah, right. Um, Yeah. But he's also very knowledgeable and he's been covering women's basketball for a long time. Well, used to for the star. Yeah. He's from Kansas City. So I thought he'd be a great guest to have on his side. Outstanding. KC Women's Basketball. That's coming up in hour number two, along with Mitch Palm. Here in hour number one, Jabroni of the Week coming up at 440. Why these are two must-win games for K-State men's basketball, which starts today against Oklahoma. They'll be at Oklahoma State on Saturday. We found out earlier today K-State football and their 2024 schedule when it comes to actual dates and how it'd be all formatted. Uh, We knew who the opponents were going to be. We knew it was going to be six home games versus six road games, which, by the way, first time since 2016. K-State will just have will have just 6 home games instead of what's typically 7. seven. Mm-hmm. Uh once in a while there's an eighth in there thrown in there. Uh that's happened twice in the last um let's see here. Twice in the last 12 years there's been an eighth home game. Really? But the last time was Stanford which was right. moved to AT&T, AT&T Stadium to put a few more bucks in K-State's pocket. And then uh the other the season before that I believe was 2010 when UCLA came to town to start the season, and old Daniel Thomas had himself a really nice rushing day. All right, so here we go. Here is your K-State football 2024 schedule. Now, Big 12 football, 14 teams heading into next year. It's going to be – or 16, 16 rather. 16 teams uh, heading into next year with the addition of Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Um, will now be a, basically a 14-week schedule. Now two bye weeks are once again wrinkled into the schedule. And we'll get to that here in just a little bit. August 31st, Cats will kick it off against UT Martin at the Bill for the annual family reunion. On the road for game two of the season, September 7th at Tulane, you're back at home and here's the first little wrinkle to the schedule. And we knew more of this would be coming as the Big 12 continued to grow. Arizona comes to town. It's a non-conference game. It's going to be either a Friday or a Saturday, September thirteenth or a September fourteenth. Obviously, we all have our fingers crossed for September fourteenth. Makes certainly our jobs a lot harder if it's a thirteenth, and um, and plus just you know Saturdays in Manhattan. We don't want to lose a Saturday in right. Manhattan. We we'd rather have a Saturday than a Friday for a football game. Always, so, no doubt about that. Big Twelve play does start on the road for the twenty third time in twenty eight years. Um, and that'll be at BYU. Interesting. Provo, Utah will be the Big 12 opener. First time that those teams will have met since the Cotton Bowl in 96. That's for sure. For sure. At home on September 28th against Oklahoma State. Two straight games on the road in Big 12 play will be at Colorado on October 12th, the return to Boulder for K-State, uh, I believe for the first time since 20... Has it been 2010? Oh, nine or 10, one of those years, Whatever. Uh, there's then a bye week and then uh, – or check that. The the bye week is between Oklahoma State and Colorado and then at West Virginia on October 19th. The next week will be October 26th against KU. So the rivalry games, KU and Iowa State, pulled apart a little bit. Cats will then go to Houston on November 2nd. Bye week, and then three more games left. November 16th against Arizona State at home. Senior day is November 23rd against Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And then the Cats wrap up the regular season at Iowa State on November 30th. So, obviously, a lot of takeaways. I want to first start with the actual bye weeks. Two more bye weeks, or two bye weeks. We're back to that now. K State will have a bye week in week six. After five games, they'll play four more bye week and then three more games. As I look at how the Big 12 has decided to kind of break up these bye games or these bye weeks, I think K-State got the best draw, other than West Virginia. West Virginia is the lucky one, where they play four games by week. Four games by week. Yeah. Four games. That's probably ideal. But K-State instead will have five games by, four games by, and then three games. It's not perfect, but it's pretty close to ideal. You'll take that. It's way better then this past season where you play, what, four games and you take your bye week and then it's eight straight, constant, banged up, no time to heal up. Two bye weeks now in there, and I like how they're spaced apart. I really like that a lot. Cats not opening Big 12 play at home. What else is new at BYU? First of all, I think it's really cool K State will actually play at BYU, even though. Sure. As a university, I do not like BYU. That's a conversation we've had many times. It's not appropriate for today, but I know certainly K State fans will really look forward to that as a matter of fact. Um, I mean, back-to-back road trips, not back- to-back weeks, but there's two weeks in between it. but you'll be able to go to BYU and Colorado. Those are two pretty neat road trips. When it comes to who's back in the Big 12, who's now joining the Big 12, that's pretty cool. I already was
0: getting the question today. So are you coming out for the game? BYU or Colorado. 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 I've never been. I've never
1: been to Boulder. I've never been to Provo.
0: Provo, I have not been to. Boulder, too many times to count.
1: I've been to the Salt Lake City Airport, but that, of course, doesn't count. You're right. Um. So for the twenty third time in twenty eight years, K will not open at home in Big Twelve play. Here is the pattern. So last year, K did open Big Twelve play, um, in Manhattan, and that was against. Uh, I have that right, yeah. It was against UCF, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's basically here is the pattern. It's one year on, five years off, is what it's been the last decade and a half for K State football. Grief. Take a guess. How many times since 2010 has K State opened up Big 12 play at home? Twice. Three times. Damn. 11, 17, 23. So there's the pattern. 11, you host. Five years off. 2017 rolls around. You're hosting again. Five years off. 2023. So you do the math. 2029. 20, K-State fans, is what you're looking forward to the next time K-State will open Big 12 play at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Uh, Another uh, interesting thing here is that KU, the KU game will be happening in October. It's not as uncommon as you might think. K-State's played a handful against KU recently in November, but it used to be like kind of off and on. In mm-hmm. November and in, in October. Right. Maybe you'd play a few in a row in October. Then you move into November. It's kind of been back a back and forth thing. Not a really big deal. I do like separating the rivalry games a little bit. You have Iowa State who will not be on your schedule every single year now moving forward. But it is a, a, a rivalry game that you look forward to now at the end of the year. And you separate all the, you know, the rivalry drama, I guess. You know, it's not all packed back to back now. And all that tension and all that drama and you know, all those tense rivalry games, I guess now, uh, separating them a little bit, so save a lot of that rivalry energy. Get two weeks now in between. Really, that's it for K State. I mean, it's not nothing too crazy. I love the bye weeks and I love where they're at. Uh, you have two, yeah, back-to-back home games just once in November. Arizona State and Cincinnati. There's only one back-to-back road game. Portion of the schedule at Colorado, at West Virginia, for a only a six-game home schedule. It's pretty nicely spaced out. Mm-hmm. It's it's ideal. It could be it could be worse. It really could, but for having just the six home games where the bye weeks are spaced out, it's pretty solid. And by the way, I don't see a single loss in the whole schedule, so that's pretty
0: nice too. The one thing that I do dislike about the structure of the schedule is that you will have Colorado and West Virginia, road games back-to-back.
1: As a fan, yeah, if you – I mean, like Robert Lipson, that's uh, that's a lot of driving. Valid. In 10 days, you know? Woof. Yeah. Um, as a fan wanting to go to those games, yeah, those could be pretty tough. And I hear the whole st- – really the, st- the travel, the extra travel, the longer distances, the travel – that really is more of an issue on the basketball teams, the soccer teams, sure. volleyball teams, baseball, where they're traveling more, or they're maybe all their flights aren't chartered. That kind of thing, you know. Football is used to the schedule. Doesn't matter where the games are played. They know the routine. Okay, so you got to fly back-to-back weeks. To me, it doesn't. It's it's not going to really affect football too much. Only difference is now is that. Hey, you may get an, uh, a trip to Orlando once in a while, and it may be an extra forty-five minutes on the plane, yeah, or something like that. It t- and, and warmer, depending on <laughs> what time you play the that game. So, nope, nothing too crazy. Now, if you've heard the news, the Kansas Jayhawks will not be playing at home in Lawrence this year. <gasps> Obviously, for the reasons of, well, let me let me phrase it the way they've done it. As construction continues on the transformational Gateway District and the reimagined David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium, the Kansas Jayhawks have determined the locations of their home games for the 2024 season. The already cost-overrun Booth Memorial Stadium. So their first two games, and like K-State, KU only have six home games. Two will be at Children's Mercy, which is the home of Sporting KC. So they'll have two games in the state of Kansas. The cojones on them. They're going to play four home games in the state of Missouri. Arrowhead Stadium. Those games uh, will be Big Twelve games. TCU, Houston, Iowa State. That'll be. That actually probably be a pretty solid environment. If Iowa State fans, I'm sure, will travel in Colorado.
0: So you screw everybody on taxpayer money being utilized for your stadium, and then you turn around and you screw everybody on taxpayer money by playing four of your games in Missouri.
1: I had a feeling that would be the Troy Coverdale um, <laughs> perspective on this story. Ladies
0: and gentlemen, yep. the University of <clears throat>
1: Kansas. Let's take a break. When we come back, K-State hoops, big week. It's must-wins. As K State now is in the phase of their schedule where it's time to build that resume. You want to be more than a bubble team. You don't. There we go. AJ's game sports update uh, reminded me of a of a thought with the Big Twelve schedules coming out for football, with now sixteen in the conference. So, the Holy War, BYU in Utah, mm-hmm. going to be now a yearly thing. There were people upset that that game is not going to be played on Thanksgiving weekend. I didn't know if that was just, hey, that's typically a rivalry week. Let's, can we play at the same time as everybody else? Or when they played that game, was it typically around Thanksgiving? I don't really know much about that history. You know, I need to dig into that a little more. Um, Memory serves me that it
0: was not a big Thanksgiving weekend rivalry matchup, that that one actually tended to be more towards middle to end of October in the past. But that's going off of just what's in mind from the old Mountain West Conference days. So I would have to dig in a little more. Sports reference will likely have it.
1: I mean, I'm I'm looking at they've had one... One. One game around Thanksgiving the last 15 years.
0: Yeah, it's not... 14 years, something like that. I think it's just that we have now gotten to the point in college football where everybody wants that rivalry game on Thanksgiving weekend. It didn't used to be that way. You know, it used to be that you had, especially right at the start of the Big 12, you had the limited Runs of rivalry games, such as Texas and Texas A&M, on Thanksgiving weekend. But now it's kind of become unexpected where they want, where fans have gotten to the point where they've decided in their heads that the rivalry games need to be on that weekend. It's so out of whack to have Georgia Tech and uh, and Georgia playing on Thanksgiving weekend when it's a non-con. Florida, Florida State. You have to remember, though, too, college football playing games after Thanksgiving is still a relatively newish deal when you start factoring in the difference in schedules and bye weeks and how schedules used to play out. And when it was the Big Eight, you didn't have any reason to be playing much later than middle of November as opposed to waiting for Thanksgiving weekend. Because you could usually reel off your season and be done by the weekend before.
1: I mean, I get why you'd put a rivalry game right after Thanksgiving. You know, typically your rival is pretty close to you. Oh, yeah. You know, so maybe less travel.
0: Right. Uh, Yeah, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Texas and Texas A&M, as an example, had always aimed yep. for that one. Yep. That was one of the Mississippi and Mississippi State. The Egg Bowl was always a Thanksgiving, post-Thanksgiving matchup or a Thanksgiving night matchup, even when it was snowing in Starksville. I remember that one.
1: I saw uh, they, uh, Iowa State at Abu Sama. Who ran yes, for? I saw that 17 touchdowns of over 60 yards at the Bill earlier this year, and uh, of course it was the Bills just covered in snow. Never, never saw a game like that. I'm sure the Bill had ever seen a game like that. And the um, how Iowa State decided to announce that particular game was to have him on the field, just kind of I don't know, just kind of doing karaoke through the snow on the field at Jack right. Trice Stadium. Yeah. So visualization, yeah. Well, K-State hoops in action tonight. They'll face the Oklahoma Sooners in Bramwich Coliseum. 7 o'clock for the tip-off. pregame at 6 here on K-Man. Big reason why uh, these are must-win games for K-State is right now, the Cats at best is a bubble team. And I believe Joe Lenardi, in his recent bracketology, has K-State as one of the next four out. Saw that this morning, yes. So according to his projection, like, you know, if the season ended today, K-State would, uh, you know... Would need a lot of help to get into the NCAA tournament. Yep. Um, Rick from Manhattan had a question. Spin that around once again. Um, with BYU's religious <laughs> obligations, are they allowed to fly on Sunday? You know, I. Fly, yes. Play, no. That would be correct, yes. Yes. yes
0: which I always found interesting when you get into the basketball side of things when they were members of the West Coast Conference because practically everybody in the WCC is a Jesuit school. Well, and BYU the Catholics don't have any problem playing a game on Sunday.
1: BYU will not bend
0: on no, Sunday no, games. No. And that's that's
1: an issue for soccer. Soccer will play a lot of Sunday games.
0: No, and and it it has been that way forever. I mean, because yeah. I know um Colorado State trying to schedule Mountain West games
1: was always problematic all right how do I jump back into this um hoops 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 K-State needs to build itself a resume couple of things about where K-State's resume sits right now first of all their their quad one record is one in three um their win is against Baylor four in three in quad two games now K-State does, actually, when it comes to teams that have a, a shot out of the Big 12 of making the NCAA tournament, they have the most quad-two losses. What's not helping is the losses to USC and Miami. Because USC, when that game was played, top-25 team, You know, Bronny James wasn't playing but was still projected to be a really solid team. USC is 8-12. and 12. Yes. They have struggled in Pac-12 play. Bronny James is now playing. He's played in 12 games. He's not starting. He's coming off the bench and averaging about five points a game. This has been a very disappointing season for USC. So that loss isn't looking as great anymore. No. Miami has slid in the net rankings because they're a 500 team in ACC play. They're 14-6. and six. Um so they're not doing as well as we expected Miami to be and then by the way Nebraska that home loss is not helping you out. Now it's good that K-State has is undefeated in quad 3 and quad 4 games. They're 9 and 0 oh, and that's good. But you have the roughest part of the schedule now in the rearview mirror and what I mean that is by these last two games you just played on the road against the two best defensive teams in the Big 12 in Houston and Iowa State, the reason Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are must-win games is because those are not quad one games. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma is quad two. You don't want another quad two loss on your resume. And for Oklahoma, this is a quad one game. Right. So Oklahoma sees this as just as big of an opportunity as K-State does. Well, maybe not as much. This is a bigger opportunity for Oklahoma than it is K-State. You just need to win the game. You don't want another L like that hanging on your resume when you don't exactly have a ton of wins that are doing you a lot of favors. Oklahoma State on the road, you absolutely have to win that game. That is an ugly L. That'll be the worst loss on your resume if you lose at Oklahoma State. So win these games. They're important to win. After that, it is almost quad one the rest of the way. Get past these two needing to win games, and then after that, you're looking to build a strong resume the rest of the way.
0: It's unbelievable how this conference this year is going to eat its own. We said it last year, but this year even more so, that you know, you, when you look at what the Quad One situation is with each of these programs and where they sit, it is an unbelievable schedule, and I saw today that the Big East is the only one that has uh, where their teams on are averaging better in terms of quad one win numbers. And it was only by literally hundredths of a point. Just a small, small little difference. Otherwise, you know, there's one of the Big 12 arguments for best conference in college basketball. Just absolutely crazy what this schedule is.
1: I mean, okay, so let me count these up real quick. So after Oklahoma-Oklahoma State this week, there's nine more Big 12 games left. Eight of the nine are quad one games. Oof. And, of course, a number of those uh, five are going to be at home. Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of opportunity left to build a respectable resume that the committee is going to respect the thing is though, K State's net ranking right now is seventy-three. That's the third worst in the Big Twelve. That's where USC
0: drags you down a bit. Well, and, and where Miami's lack of success t- starts to weigh you down a little bit. And of course, what your just general schedule was.
1: Well, and here's another thing. Providence, the the win against yeah. Providence yeah. has really teetered back and forth because it was a neutral site. So that means for it to be a quad one you want the team ranked in the top 50 well right now they're 51 Mm -hmm. so if providence just starts doing a little bit better that's going to make your resume look a lot better if some of those losses could those teams could have a better season it wouldn't look as bad casey would have a better net ranking and also lsu that is you know that is also it's it's not as good as it was when k-state won the game
0: no no and and Therein lies the rub. You can't do anything about what your schedule is. At the end of the day, you can't do anything about what your schedule is other than you get these teams on your schedule and you do your best to make it a quality schedule. But you can't control what USC's troubles are this year. You can't control what LSU does. And so you're still at the fates, no matter what it plays out with your non-conference.
1: Well, it, it, the great thing about the Big 12 is because of its Oh yeah. because it's so good. I mean, there's just there's just plenty of opportunity ahead that you could forget about what's happened in the past. And that if they didn't they shouldn't hurt you too much if you just win some games, if you take care of some home games, win those qu- quad one home games, you just take care of your home schedule, fingers crossed you can go 9 and 9 or 10 and 8. I mean, it'd be amazing if K-State could get to 11 wins in the conference. That's going to be extremely hard to do. But if you're looking at 9-9 nine and nine and you take care of your home wins, you're, you're probably in a pretty solid spot.
0: Here's a way-too-early question for the NCAA tournament. Losing record from the Big 12 conference get you into the NCAA tournament this year? I think year. it could. I mean, yeah, I, for I,
1: sure. I could see it. I'd just it's happened. It's happened quite a few times
0: before. You have eight teams literally in the top twenty-five this week. Double anybody
1: else. You know, I have to look it up, but I, what, I'm, I'm pretty sure it happened this past season. I have to look this up real quick, but I'm pretty sure somebody with a losing record got into the dance last year. The, there's the somebody.
0: There's a year that TCU got in that that continues to.
1: Oh, TCU was 99. Okay. Stick in my head. So 9-9, nine nine, Oklahoma State. I don't – did Oklahoma State get – I don't think they did Mm -mm. get in. No. They were an NIT team. Yeah, so – okay, so I was wrong. Last year, a team with a losing Big 12 record did not get into the dance. But I – okay, so two years ago – yeah, and so last year, um, TCU got – or two years ago, TCU got in as a losing record in the Big 12 into the dance. Okay, all
0: right. So I knew I was registering from somewhere. It just no, kinda, it's happened a
1: number of times. Yeah, it's
0: just blurred together.
1: All right, let's take a break. So, again, these are needed wins for K-State. And then you get to work. You really get to work building that resume after this week. So it's necessary to win these two games so you don't want any more blemishes on K-State's record moving forward and the resume moving forward. Up next is we'll have Mitch Palm coming up at five ten against Oklahoma. But coming up next, time to crown a new Jabroni of the Week. After these words. Don't want to lose this week. Those know your role and shut your mouth,
0: you jabroni! You jabronis hit the jackpot! The Hollywood burn jabroni, Hulk Hogan, Al, is this jabroni's name? Jabroni of the week.
1: Well, here we go, boys and girls. It's time to crown a new jabroni of the week. I'll have three dishonorable mentions that I considered for the top honor, but only one can take it home for this week. Is Dan Campbell in your list? Stay tuned. Okay.
0: That would be a yes. My first dishonorable mention.
1: (laughs) Listen, I'm not here to give spoilers. It's up to you to listen to these Uh, next seven minutes to find out who's the Jermani of the Week. I got you. I got you. My first dishonorable mention is going to go to Auburn Athletics. Um, So a post on Twitter or X or whatever the heck you want to call it, uh, they posted about what's called A Day, the weekend, um, and that, that tweet was back on January 18th. It's to promote. Um, it's like a save the date because they have softball. They have tennis. They have baseball. They have their spring game in Jordan Hare. It's like all in the same weekend. So it's just like a heads up. This is coming up. This is the date for all this stuff. Make sure to hang around and uh, make a weekend out of it. Go to all these events. Harmless post. Um, and then somebody on Twitter by the name of Shaquille Oatmeal, which is a great name. <laughs> responded to it, just reminding Auburn that's also Final Four weekend. Auburn, instead of just letting this guy post whatever and ignoring it, decided to retweet and respond to Mr. Oatmeal, saying Auburn will guarantee that Bruce Pearl's team will be one of the last four college basketball teams remaining in March Madness. Now, they are a top 25 team, but after that tweet, they went on to lose two games in a row on the road at Alabama and at Mississippi State. Whoops. All right, my next dishonorable mention is going to go to uh, New England Patriots wide receiver Kayshawn Booty. Uh, We may not see him on the field for a little while, guys, um, because he was arrested. (laughs) Uh, Arrested on Thursday for charges related to illegal online gambling. What's real crazy is how much he was gambling. Oh, Oh, yeah. Over um, a little over 12 months, it was determined he bet as many as 9,000 times. Now, do a little bit of math for you. That's a little over 700 bets per month Mm -hmm. and around 23 bets a day. I mean, that is the definition of a degenerate gambler. (laughs) If I've ever saw one, if I've ever seen one. Problematic. He was doing it while in college. But that's the thing. He was making those bets most likely under the age of 21. Again, this is alleged thing here. Under the age of 21 and under a fake identity. And he turned himself in on computer, computer fraud, felony charge. Gambling prohibited, of course, to people under the age of 21. That's another charge, which would be a misdemeanor. So... I mean, the NFL will, I'm sure, have its own judgment. And if you pay attention to uh, basically the rules the rep, the NFL has laid out for the Super Bowl that's taking place in Vegas in less than two weeks, rematch of the Chiefs and uh, 49ers of a handful of years ago, since the game is in Vegas, players, personnel, if you're a member of any of the organizations, you are not allowed to to gamble while you're in Vegas for the Super Bowl. Not going to happen. Table games, slots, gambling on sports, not going to happen. My last dishonorable mention is going to go to BYU. I imagine this was a, uh, and this had nothing to do with the football schedules or anything, this is basketball. I I think it was a university decision. I'm going to blame it on the university um, just as a whole. Uh, BYU students, um, this was the Texas game. Rodney Terry just recently, you know, basically screened at UCF players for the Horns Down after their loss at home to UCF, saying it was classes to do the Horns Down thing, so to stop. BYU students in the front row in Provo ran with that. BYU soft because there were fans, front row, student section, t-shirt by t-shirt, spelling out. Horns down. It wasn't like actual horns down on the t-shirt. They spelled it out. At the under-16 timeout first half of that game, somebody from BYU told them they have to change their shirts. Weak. Because it's BYU. Nothing but class at BYU. They are not going to tolerate any in any way discrimination towards anybody. My jabroni of the week. Wow, is to not just Dan Campbell, his, wow. his fourth down decisions. That's kind of okay with. Uh-huh? I'm just going to give it to the Detroit Lions as a whole. I mean, really, I mean, it's more than just the team. It's more than just the organization, really to the fans. I felt so oh. bad for Detroit Lions fans. But also kind of shout-out to Kyle Shanahan, kind of reversing the jinx yeah. um, for what happened in that Super Bowl against the Patriots when he was with the with the Falcons, giving up that big lead in the Super Bowl. Well, now it was the reverse because the Lions were up 24-7 at halftime, NFC Championship game. The 49ers scored 17 points in an eight-minute span. And Brock Purdy threw an interception that just happened to be deflected by the defensive back and went right to a 49er wide receiver. But they complete the comeback, take the lead in the fourth quarter. San Francisco matted the fourth comeback ever from 17 points down or more in a conference title game, thanks to, obviously, some big plays and also some mistakes by the Lions. Lions failed to make their first ever Super Bowl in franchise history after blowing a 24-7 to lead. A.J.? And guess who inter- missed that interception? Former Bear Kendall Vildor, because of course he did, because he's a former Bear. <laughs> <laughs> well, You're as not a... not bitter or anything, not at all. Well, mm-hmm. As a Bears fan, were you happy to see the Lions lose? Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I got to say, Lions gonna Lion, and uh, I also got to mock my friend who's a Lions fan that was mocking me after he blew a 12-point fourth quarter lead to them back on November 19th. I had a Tim Taylor from Home Improvement Oh boy, wearing a Lions, that, that classic Lions yep. XXL yep. sweater he used to wear, ready to go. Yep. I was going to put that side by side with Taylor Swift in Chiefs gear. said, that's your Super Bowl. Who are you picking? The Lions blew it. The Lions, sorry Lions fans. I, I went to high school with a diehard Lions fan. He, I thought of him right away yep. when they blew that lead. The crowd shots have just depressed Lions fans. Eminem giving double birds to uh, San Francisco fans that were right below him uh, from his suite. Sorry, Lions, you're my Germany of the Week. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, speaking of the Super Bowl, FanDuel is offering a Travis Kelsey slash Tyler Swift, or T- Taylor Swift bet. Big news, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said Tyler Bass. Shout out to three-year Letterman. No, he's not in. Uh, he's not in the Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift bet from FanDuel. That information. Now, FanDuel Canada has put up a bet for sup- the Super Bowl coming up in a couple of weeks. What is this? Is the Super Bowl fifty-eight? Is that right?
0: Fifty-three.
1: No, it's not. No, 53. you're right.
0: No, fifty-eight. You're 58. right.
1: Yeah. Um, Good God. Come on, Troy. FanDuel, Ca- Canada, FanDuel C- Canada is offering a bet on will the happy couple get engaged at the Super Bowl. They opened it up at plus 190 yes, minus 250 no. Hmm. So Canadians, they just jumped all over no. And within an hour, that line, you can kill the music now. The line moved from 250, minus 250 for no, to to minus 3,500. Oh, man. They've only been together. Like, if you assume, okay, you know, they probably kept it under wraps for a while. He was going to a concert during the summer. So they've been together six, seven months, maybe eight at the most. They ready to get engaged already? Are they that in love? So I would take the no as well. That's as bad as close to a royal wedding the United States could get.
0: Notice that, by the way, that Mitch prefaced this by noting it was FanDuel Canada. You realize you can't bet on that in America.
1: Well, I also didn't know that until I pulled it up. I just saw the headline, FanDuel with Taylor Swift. Yes. Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey bet. Just like you cannot
0: bet on our elections
1: in the U.S. But you can in Canada?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Europe loves to bet on our elections. Nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, Europe loves betting on presidential elections. I like
1: how they play ball. Who would, who would be the officiant? Who would, who would be the special guest minister for Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey? Like, who could we find that's like a crossover? Oh, my. Anybody from the 85 Bears still around? Oh, plenty. Plenty. Come on. Ditka's
0: got to be a groomsman.
1: I'd be fine with that. Then they could do the Super Bowl shuffle afterwards. Yeah, something like that. And he pops the beer open and begins to shotgun the beer, as is tradition. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is this is as mega of a wedding oh, yeah. that that yeah. that the United States could ever get. Yeah, because well, really because of Taylor Swift, because she's the biggest. She she might be the most famous person in the world, other than a political, like, president of the United States.
0: I think she may even top that, given so? right now. Right now? Yeah. Given the how the era's tour went.
1: What kind of ratings did Princess Diana get? They would oh, crush it. Crush it. Lord. All right, hour to the game. Got a busy one. Mitch Palm against Oklahoma is uh, right around the corner. Plus, we will speak to ESPN women's basketball writer Michael Popol, as we'll talk K-State women's basketball with Michael and... Um, Ask us anything. Of course, we'll wrap up the show. Hour 2 and your local news is coming up next. Next. Details are coming up next.